Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Well, hello there, my friends. How are all of you today? I kind of sounded like Bob Ross there. Do you guys know who Bob Ross is? He's the uh, the real happy painter. He's the he kind of had like a fro, even though he's a white guy, and he was a real happy painter. And he would be like, "I'd be beautiful, make this beautiful painting," and then he'd be like, "I'm just gonna put this happy little bush right over there." And he'd be like, "No, don't put the bush there," and it still looked awesome. Um, I don't know why I was going on that tangent, but hey, I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast, and it is Twitter Thursday, and we're brought to you by SeatGeek. I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a bit. But for now, I am going to field your numerous Twitter questions. Uh, Actually, I'm not. Before I field your numerous Twitter questions, what should we do tomorrow? I'm not sure yet. I haven't given it any thought till right this second. Uh, Pull the curtain back. Um, I don't know what we're going to do Friday, but we need to come up with something. What do we think about that? Um, back to Twitter. My man Rubalicious asks, how valuable is Malcolm Butler? Valuable. I mean, he is a man cover corner. How the Patriots used him was, I mean, not that he can't, But ideally, he would cover the smaller number one type receivers. The Antonio Browns, the Beckhams, those type of guys. And man coverage, though. I mean, that's a big task. That's a very valuable asset. Few corners you would ask to do that. Uh, They realized, though, that he was not at his best to go man coverage on Julio Jones or Des Bryant or, you know, the bigger, more physical guys. I do think that's something they liked from Gilmore more so than they liked from Butler. Um, you know, that Gilmore is bigger. But, you know, they, they like a variety, obviously, in their secondary to handle all shapes and sizes. Um, as for the Saints, I mean, he's better than anyone they have. Um, Bro would become your number two. Then guys like P.J. Williams become your three. And I think you would basically eliminate the cornerback need certainly from the first from the early portion of your draft you know if you're the Saints uh, in terms of how valuable is he I think he's about as valuable as Brandon Cooks you know like when they were when we were talking about rumors of Cooks for Butler I thought that was pretty even you know you have to take into account though a guy like Cooks is playing on his rookie deal right now and then they'll pick up his options so New England's going to get him for two years at his rookie cost before he makes big, big money, where Butler is a year away from that as opposed to two. So maybe Butler's better than Cooks at what he does, or uh, the better way of saying it, I would say, is Butler is a rarer commodity, a man coverage corner that you can leave alone against really good players. Um, But he only has one year until you pay him big, which is why I think the Patriots are strongly, strongly consider moving on from him, even though they lost Logan Ryan. Um, they can recoup picks by you know moving Butler, presumably, to the Saints. 
Um, they also have Gilmore in tow. They also have uh, Eric Rowe, who's another big corner, physical at the line of scrimmage guy. Prefer him to be the three, I think. And they also used a pretty early pick, a second-round pick on Jones last year from Alabama, who's more of a slot guy. Uh, Logan Ryan took over the slot, slot duty, and Jones struggled as a rookie. Um, but he's not out of the equation. I mean, they liked him a lot a year ago. I mean, I'm not sure that they like him as much now, but it's also a very, very good corner draft. So uh, both the Saints and the Patriots will take that into account too with, you know, where Butler lands or if he stays. Uh, if he stays, man, that is a that is a major uh, big-time defensive backfield. Although one second ago, the dudes from around the NFL at NFL Network just posted, I mean, it just came up right this second as I'm sitting here chatting with you guys because I have Twitter up. Got my tweet deck up for Twitter Thursday. Um, Malcolm Butler's visit with Saints is done. Sides motivated to get a deal done, reports Rapsheet at Rapsheet. So Ian Rappaport, of course. Um, so it sounds like there's a very good chance that he will end up in New Orleans. Uh, makes a lot of sense, really. So that's from Rubalicious. Kevin at K.R. Morency asks, how important are offensive line positions from one to five? Um, uh, left, I'm going to go left tackle, right tackle, center, right guard, left guard. However, I'm a big center believer. You know, I think having a quality center goes a really long way. And I could make a strong argument that that maybe is even one. You know, like look what Alex Mack did for Atlanta last year or Frederick in Dallas. I mean, you have a rock there for 10 years. Your line's almost going to be pretty. I mean, how many how many lines out there you're like, "Boy, they're really good at center, but the rest of but the line in general is not very good." I mean, it just it doesn't happen. I mean, it has a triple effect. Leader, line calls, smart I mean, you have a good center. I'm a big fan of that. Like, if I was drafting a team from scratch, I bet I would take a center higher than most GMs. You know, I, I'm just that big a fan. But tackles are just so hard to find right now. I mean, look what Matt Khalil was signed for. Oh, boy, boy. And Okun. And some of these guys that are average at best left tackles. I mean, so you see the market. And I will say the discrepancy between... What is asked out of left tackle and right tackle uh, is narrower or less than than it has been at any point that I can remember watching football. I mean, you've got Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack and sometimes J.J. Watt and, you know, studs coming at the quarterback's right side now. And, you know, Ricky Wagner just made huge money. And you look around the league, I mean, yes, there's a shortage of left tackles, but Look at the 32 right tackles that are starting right now. It's not very good at all. I mean, there are not many right tackles. And how many right tackles out there would you say are Pro Bowl caliber type guys? You know, I mean, like to me, Lane Johnson's probably number one out there. I think Gilbert in Pittsburgh is really good. I mean, there's a handful of them. I mean, there's five of them, I would say, that are maybe Pro Bowl caliber players at what they do. Um, as for guards... They're similar, and, you know, I don't think you downplay guards. I mean, I love these teams that use a first-round pick on a guard and get Martin or DeCastro or, you know, I mean, some of these really good players at the position or spend money on a Semele 
or Zeitler, you know, I mean, they they rarely bust on you for one thing if you're going to invest in them with early picks or free agency. But traditionally, and this is not the case as much as it used to be, when you used to deal with a lot of 4-3 fronts and on offense, you would play with a tight end to the right side of the formation, you know, to the quarterback's right side, which used to be, you know, pro set. That used to be the most most often formations you would see would be, you know, a, a team comes out in pro two backs of tight end to the right, two receivers. And, you know, I, I, I sound like I'm archaic now. And then they, the team would counter with a stack four three with a one shade and a three technique. And the reason I said right guard over left guard is for that reason. And again, I mean, this isn't as much as it used to be, but it used to be your right guard much more so than your left guard would then have to deal with the three techniques, the Warren Saps of the world, you know, the Aaron Donalds of the world. And that's just a harder chore. So, yeah, that's why I went that direction. But again, if we were building a team, I can promise you I would have a pretty damn good center. I had mentioned there before our buddies at SeatGeek. You know, we are sponsored by them today. And they're great, and they've been a big supporter of the Locked On Network, and especially my show. Uh, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the the games you want to see up close, or concerts, or I would imagine they do rodeos and truck and tractor pulls and whatever else you're into. I would imagine SeatGeek will help you out with that. I haven't gone down those roads, but I am curious. I might have to. Um, Anyone ever seen a truck and tractor pull? I have not, or a rodeo. Seems like a muddy mess with the Coliseum or wherever arena you're in. But anyways, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the events you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year or, I don't know, the biggest rodeo of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I do have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with one, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. Um, with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek prices compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is giving a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% back guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners, all y'all, get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. This is how you get your $20 rebate. You download the SeatGeek app. You go to the settings tab and you click add a promo code. Enter the promo code L-O-N-F-L. Locked on NFL. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks right after you made your first ticket purchase. What a deal. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code L-O-N-F-L today. All right, all right. Chris White at something something white 83. Hope you're listening. He asked me, how good of a GM is Ted Thompson? Recent, dra- recent drafts have been poor. He hasn't retained his own guys, and his roster is mediocre with a few elite players. I think there's some truth to that. Um, I very much feel 
the the Green Bay front office and coaching staff is above average, but I also think that boy, they're sure fortunate to have Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, he makes a lot of problems go away. And with I with all respect to Tom Brady, and I do think his case is the best quarterback who ever lived is a very 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 strong one. But if I have first pick of building a roster, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, I, I, I still think he's the guy I want more than other anyone else in the league right now as my quarterback, as my top player. Um, and Tom, I mean, they get credit for bringing him in. I um, mean, they had the foresight to, you know, see that you know, this could be a great player, even though we have Favre. Uh, we'll sit him for a few years. And, you know, that, that was what? 13, 12, 13 years ago. It's the year I was with the Browns. I'm not even sure if Ted Thompson was the one that picked them. But anyway, uh, they are certainly reaping the benefits. I do think that he's a good GM. I do. I mean, I think he's made good decisions. I love the Bennett move. I like the Cook move a year ago. But I think they also play with a shorter deck than the rest of the league because... They don't do much in free agency. And I think there's a little bit of arrogance involved with that, that we don't need that, you know, that we're so good at drafting and developing. We can win it all and beat you by not having to go outside the organization very often at all to add talent. And there's times that bites you, you know, I mean, been nice to have Casey Hayward around for a year, you know, an extra year last year. They let him walk. Um, their corners haven't developed as planned. You know, their pass rushers, uh, they kept Perry, but are they as good as they used to be? Clay Matthews, I think, is a declining asset. And we've talked a lot about the roster in general, and, you know, they, they let sit and go last year for nothing. I mean, it's like, ooh, that was odd this time last year. Really odd. And they, I think they were worried that, you know, their free agents were going to riddle, you know, to just get, destroyed up front on the offensive line and some of that did happen they lost Treader and they lost Sitton and you know obviously um they lost Lang a really good protecting guard and they drafted uh Spriggs with the with the thought of him probably even traded up to get him uncharacteristically that but I think they looked at him as a replacement for Bakhtiari you know one of the, the or Balaga and those two played so well that they locked them up and um, I think when they drafted Spriggs, they thought they would lose a tackle and keep the interior. But now Spriggs is probably going to have to move the guard. You know, so it's not an exact science, and it didn't kind of go to plan. And I think there is some some spots you could be critical. And like I said, I mean, I, I think yeah, the I think that Aaron Rodgers sure makes a lot of problems go away. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Nick Fox asks an interesting question. At nfoxy22. His uh, picture's not real foxy, but that's all right. How did your schedule, he's basically at, you know, i.e. hours worked, compare at Akron versus Pitt versus Cleveland versus ESPN versus now? Um, Let's go backwards, I guess. Now... Just to pull back the curtain, I was salary at ESPN for 10 years and made good money and I loved it and it was a great experience, obviously. Um, Now, I am paid more by the article I write or 
you know, the, these podcasts like I do are I'm investing in myself and the Locked On Network with intents of it growing and someday being a big payday and being very successful and I'm enjoying every step of the way and talking with you guys. So I get checks from multiple avenues as opposed to one that had Mickey Mouse ears on it, you know, every two weeks. And it's not quite as much as I used to make, but it's more hustle too, you know I mean? Um, not that I didn't work hard at ESPN, but they had a multitude of writers, obviously, and sometimes my editor would send me a note on Sunday saying, hey, we need you to write one article this week or two articles this week, as well as, you know, I always did a podcast every day at noon, as many of you know, Football Today, and it was very successful and it's not around anymore, and that breaks my heart. Um, but I would say my hours are definitely, I know they are, they're more now because I'm hustling more because I'm getting paid by the item I do as opposed to, you know, the same amount of checks where they would just assign something, you know, where Matt, this is what you got this week or, you know, it was basically the same give or take every week. And you check out my Twitter timeline, which much, many of you must be doing because it is Twitter Thursday. You'll see I'm pumping out a lot more content now than I did those 10 years when I was with ESPN. So, but still, both of those, I work from home. Um, everything is around my schedule. I do a lot of work late, late at night when I think, you know, when the house is quiet. Uh, I do a lot when the kids are at school. You know, I'm talking to you guys now and they're upstairs. So, I mean, I'm home though. I mean, that's a, that, that's the beautiful thing about it is I see my family much, much more. Um, and it can be hard too. I mean, as you hear, I mean, you'll hear cats in the background and you hear the beeping of the Verizon thing that I haven't fixed and all those type of things. So I'm busier now than I was at ESPN. That's for sure. I put, definitely put more hours in. And for you guys that don't know, I mean, I listen, basically all my free time is football too. I mean, like I go to the gym every day, not that you know it if you pass me in the street, but I pull up my iPad and I read articles all across the net, you know, while I'm there. So is that an hour of work, you know, while I'm on the treadmill or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I would do that if I was an accountant too. Like when I'm in the shower, I have podcasts going of other diff other people's podcasts, you know. And if I was a ditch digger, I would have that going anyway. So I don't look at it like work. I haven't worked in a very long time. So I have no idea what my hours are, but they're basically endless. You know, like tonight, I'll, I might watch Path to the Draft. I mean, and I would do that if I was a lawyer. You know I mean? Like... So what is work and what isn't? And to me, it's kind of constant, but I'm putting out way more content. I have way more deadlines. I have way more things that need done today by three o'clock or whatever than I did at ESPN. And a lot of that's to, you know, make ends meet more. Um, as for the three with a team deals, they were all pretty similar. I mean, you went in early, you were there late. Obviously, during the season and busy times, um, you know, at Akron, I was only there eight months. And I was three years of pit, eight months, give or take, at Akron. And then I got the job with the Browns, which was 365 days. And with the Browns, and the same is true at Pitt, and it would have been true at Akron, was there is about a month or so in January or in July that you don't do much. But other than that... You're there a lot. I mean, and, and it was cool with the Browns, too. They have so much money, and it was NFL. I mean, I got my hair cut there. You ate meals there. My dry cleaning, I would hang in my locker, and it would come back the next day or two. I mean, like, 
they made it very easy for you not to leave the facility because you're getting more work done, you know. Um, I will say that at those two jobs, Akron's different, I'll get to that in a minute, uh, there were times, especially with the Browns, where I would look around like, Am I just, I'm just sitting here, I mean, I'm watching tape and I'm productive, but I should have left an hour ago. I just don't want to be the first guy to lift the build, be, leave the building or, you know, and that's big in football. And, hey, I'm a GA at Pitt. I'm a recruiting assistant. I, I'm not leaving early. I'm going to be one of the last guys here, you know, and give the impression that, you know, I am a hustler. But in the reality, you were. You know, it wasn't like I was taking a nap under my desk. Um, but, you know, there, there were times where I'm like, my work here is done. I should have left, but I don't want to be that guy. So you put in more hours than you would have. And also, the difference between Akron and the Browns was my wife, I didn't have kids at the time yet, she lived in Pittsburgh. So if I went home to my apartment with those things, it was just me, which which was nice, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, it's some alone time and, you know, watch a game or whatever. It, was, um, you know, it wasn't like I wanted to live in the facility, but... It wasn't like I was rushing home to see somebody either. So, hey, I'll chill at the facility and we'll eat dinner there and put our feet up. And me and my buddy James will watch a recruit or something, you know, or watch a, you know, watch some tape together and, you know, hang out and that kind of thing. So, um, the reason I said Akron is different, and I know this is a really long winded answer here, is because we had to get there and it was late in the recruiting process and we had to build a recruiting class like now. And, you know, we obviously, most of us came from Pitt or other schools and we knew kids in the Akron, Pittsburgh, PA, Ohio, West Virginia areas that we thought we could get, you know, from watching tape from our respective schools that we came from. But, you know, we were setting up recruiting visits like the second week I got there and I didn't even know where the library was or the cafeteria. So we would set up people that were already there at Akron, you know, tour guides and we would tour with the kids and the recruits. We learned together. And it worked out well. I mean, we didn't pretend to know things we didn't. We learned as they learned. And uh, we made it really fun. You know, we didn't know where the cool restaurants were to take the kids and, you know, things like that. So we very much learned on the fly that those eight months. And then poof, I was gone. So I was in that office a lot, you know. And even when I would go home, um, you know, I was doing work. And, you know, so... That was very fun. You know, we built something quickly. I mean, I remember going up to the first day I was there and we met with the team. I remember going up to Chase Blackburn and asking him if he was Charlie Fry. You know, like, idiot. You know, I should have looked through the... uh, I should have known. But they both were obviously um, impressive guys that kind of commanded the room at their time. And they both played in the league. I don't know if you know either of those names, but... It was things like that. Like, I was new. I didn't even know who the starting quarterback was. I mean, I knew Charlie Fry was our starting quarterback, but I know what he looked like. I just got there. So, <laughs> you know, the whole room and laughed. And I was like, hey, you're Charlie, right? And they're like, no, dude, that's Chase. And you're like, oh, dumbass. But things like that. I mean, it was very much learning on the fly. And at Akron, I had done a lot of things I didn't hadn't done before, which honestly I wasn't big on. Things like travel plans. Like, I, I did all the travel plans for our opening day game the year, the a year away in Penn State, you know, like I, I wasn't big on those things. I was non-football things, but I hope that answers it to some degree. Um, certainly, a lot of hundred-hour weeks, though, with with teams, you know, during the, the the busy times and even the moderately busy times. I mean, you're there a lot. 
So, long-winded answer. Um, hope that's some feedback, you know. But I'm loving every se second of it. I wouldn't change any of them. And, and like I said, even though my income now is a little less than it was at ESPN, uh, I'm doing fine, don't get me wrong. Um, but I love every second of it. I get to do all these new things with you guys and different avenues, and it's been fun. All right, all right. And I know it was a long-winded answer, and maybe it's interesting to you guys. I, certainly, as I imagine, to the, the man who asked. But even just an example right there is I just hit pause on the podcast because I got a text that one of my 10-year-old's uh, best friends, they're on their way to pick him up, and they want him to bring some stuff with them. So I hit pause, and I ran upstairs and grabbed them. And, you know, like, it's nice to be involved with your kids. You know, like, that, that's really why I don't have an interest of going back to a team would have to be a really prime opportunity because I see them, I get them up for the bus, or, you know, I get them up in the morning, I get them off the bus. I'm always here, you know, I'm doing laundry in the middle of the day, I wear shorts all day, it's great. But anyway, you know, one of the other perks of working from home, obviously, and making your own schedule. Um, some meats asked me, nacho cheese or Cool Ranch Doritos? It's a really important question, and I assume he's not asking me to compare Cool Ranch Doritos versus nachos with cheese that you get at the pen, you know, like at a hockey game or a Steeler game or whatever. Um, I think he's talking about the flavors of Doritos, and that's how I'm going to field it. And it's funny he asked this because I just had this conversation, well, we often have this conversation, but we just bought two bags of Doritos yesterday, my wife and I. Um, and I eat very few chips and pretzels and things, mostly because if I open the bag, they'll just be gone. I mean, I'll just devour them, especially if it's a good one, like regular old school Doritos. Like I have respect for ranch and I'm sure they spell, send us, you know, sell a ton of them and they're okay, but by no means would I ever pick them. I mean, if I could have any chip in the world, it would just be plain old, old school Doritos. And there might be crack in them, by the way, because I, I eat the whole bag every time I ever touch them. So therefore, I don't. I haven't cracked this bag we just bought. I think, and Doritos have changed. I'm an old man now. Doritos have changed quite a bit. I think there's like a thousand. I mean, there's so many different varieties. But I think there's a spicy one that's very similar to the original, but it's a little bit spicier. If I recall, again, I don't even go down that aisle because I'll just buy them and open them and eat them all. But those are damn good, too. I mean, those could challenge the original as best chip on the planet. Barbecue chips are strong, too. You know, like just regular to find the right potato chip barbecue flavor, strong. But to me, I mean, the regular Dorito is really hard to beat. Uh, Jeremy Clark asks, were you surprised to hear of Minnie's big offer to Alshon Jeffrey? What do you make of their off interest, and how would you he have fit in? I was shocked. I mean, I really didn't think that was an area that they were going to try to allocate resources. Um, since then, they've extended Thielen, you know, Adam Thielen, who had a really good year, and I like that move. Drafted Treadwell in the first round last year. Obviously, uh, that's not, you know, uh, who knows where they're at with that, but uh, that didn't deter them from going to try to get Alshon. By the way, this the score who uh, uh, other people I write for uh, they just announced, and they, they're a great app by the way. That Vikings GM confirms Peterson will not return after the Murray signing. Um, I think that is a safe safe bet. You know, I think we knew that. That for those of you who don't know, Latavius Murray, 
uh, is signed with the, the Vikes. I'm not a Murray fan. Uh, my hunch is that's who they're going to live with. I don't think that's good enough, the Murray-McKinnon combination. Um, not that they should have brought back Peterson or that was the wrong move. I just don't think Murray's good enough to be your top dog. Um, well, Jeffrey, short control passing attack. He does that well. Uh, certainly a red zone monster. He really fits in anywhere. I mean, he's a great player. Uh, they've had the game plan against this guy twice a year, you know, since he's been in the league, obviously. Uh, they know him well. I could see why they'd be highly interested. I didn't think that was a route they would pursue. That did shock me. But uh, I got no problem with it all in all. Uh, another breaking news as we sit here, the, the folks again at around the NFL say the Raiders are set to sign Packers tight end Jared Cook. Uh, that adds up. You know, I mean, Cook all of a sudden uh, was out of the Packers' plans. Apparently they made him an offer and he refused it. Made him an offer and he refused and I thought that the rate, you know, I've been a little critical these last couple of days that the Raiders have been sort of sitting on their hands. I had thought that Bennett would be a really good pickup for Oakland. Um, well, Cook is too. I mean, I, I know people were down on Cook that, boy, I've drafted him in my fantasy league and he always disappoints. So he was pretty good for the Packers last year. And I mean, I know motivation hasn't always been there for him, but he's a really athletic dude. And he's had some really bad offenses to work with before last year. And certainly he benefited from Rodgers, and but he was instrumental in making that passing game tick. Uh, he's an upgrade over Walford, who, again, is in my doghouse. I thought he'd be better by now. I liked him a lot coming out of school, liked his situation in Oakland. Um, so this makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think in some ways maybe they're both settling each with, for each other, the Raiders and Cook, as you know, second place type of deal. But I think he could be a big impact player there. Um, so... I like it. Uh, Rodolfo Paradoja asked me, Will, I'm sure I butchered your name, Rodolfo. I'm sorry. He asked, will the Browns trade style A, become a trend, or B, be outlawed in future owners' meetings since selling cap space is banned? That I'm a little foggy on. Like I thought there was a rule that you can't do, basically do a, a, a total cap for draft pick type of deal in the NFL. And I think in some ways they kind of skirted around that because they uh, also swapped picks this year in a move where Houston got the better of them, although they were later round picks. I mean, I don't know who they're trying to kid. Um, but why why ban it? I mean, I, I you know, there's so much cap space now that if, I mean, why is that a bad thing? I think the more player movement you have, the more options you have, as a GM. And another note, I'm really curious, who initiated that conversation? Who made the call? Did the Browns call Houston and say, hey, dude, Osweiler stinks. Give him to us in, in a pick, and we'll take him off your hands. Or did Houston, who was the innovator there? Who I bet it was the Browns. I mean, just because they have a an outside-the-box way of thinking in that front office. And, and I give them all the credit in the world if they do. But I really wish I knew who called who on that. Did Houston say... Hey, Cleveland, you know, you got a ton of cap space. Please take this dude off our hands. Or was it the other way around? I don't know. I, I, I'm curious. I, I wish I would like to know. Um, but anyways, anyway, uh, I think, I don't know. I mean, I hope, let's, let's say I'm not going to predict anything, but I hope that you see more of these, or at least that the option exists, that they don't ban it. 
Because why not? You know, I mean, if you got a ton of cap space and somebody wants to use that cap space, wants to give you something for it, more power to you. You know, more power to you. I mean, so uh, I, I, I like that one a lot. Um, I like those options a lot. At, le- at least, you know, don't don't hand, you know, don't tie my hands behind my back as I try to help my team, you know. So, all right, we got one more here, and then I need some, ex- you know, send me some tweets after, after you listen to this of what we should do tomorrow. Otherwise, I'll come up with something creative. Um, Lenio Leo, Lionel Leo, Leo Leo, okay. Which current or former NBA QB would be the likeliest MMA champion if they stepped into the octagon? Whoa. My first thought was Brett Favre because he would never give up and he would have four broken arms and still be fighting. He'd be, he'd be like the dude <laughs> on the Holy Grail that gets the arms cuts off. Oh, it's merely a flesh, flesh wound. One of the funniest movies of all time, by the way. Um, <laughs> he gets gets all four of his limbs cut off, and it's just a flesh wound. Come back and fight. Um, I think that'd be Favre, and I'm sure he could dish out some punishment too, especially a game of football. I mean, he'd drill it through your esophagus. Um, but then I thought about Battleship Lorenzen. I mean, he, you could wear that dude out. You know, have him running around. Uh, you know, a young spry quarterback that's fighting him it would probably wear him out with jab after jab. But if that dude got a hold of you, I mean, it would be over. Or if he came off the top rope like the Ugandan giant Kamala or something on you, boom. I mean, 280 on top of you. I'm sure if you went back, I mean, the dudes in the leather helmets are probably the winners here. Bobby Lane or, I mean, even the snake. I mean, the snake's never going to, you know, never going to give up either. And he always finds a way to win, you know. I mean, so you could take that approach to this conversation. But who's the most physically impressed? How about Jamarcus Russell, too, coming off the freaking turnbuckle? Uh, obviously, I don't watch all that much MMA. I don't think there's turnbuckles or people coming off the top rope like WWE. But you get my idea here. I guess I'll go with Favre. Although, I'm sure when you guys listen to this, you're going to be like, Matt, you're missing an obvious one. I mean, there's somebody out there that would be a total badass. All right. Fun show today. I had a blast just chatting with you guys with your Twitter questions. Some of them a little non-NFL related. Uh, get yourself a bag of Doritos and eat these up. Doritos should be our sponsor, and they should send me lots. Actually, they shouldn't because then I'll eat them all. But anyways, that's a wrap. Uh, tell me what to do tomorrow. See ya. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17